Uh, Today we are going to be wrapping up this nine-week series in the book of Colossians that we have called Mystery Revealed. And that's because this brief but very powerful letter that Paul has written mentions the word mystery in association uh, with the work of God. And several of the places that he shares that, one of the most powerful is in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through 27. He says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why this new equation for life that we've been looking at is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's why the Apostle Paul spent actually a majority of this letter initially trying to help us recognize the sufficiency of Christ for everything in this life and beyond. Now today, we're gonna arrive at the final section of this letter that we're gonna look at. And Paul's ready to remind them uh, that while one's faith in Christ is extremely important and very personal, it was never intended to be something private, something that we kept to ourselves. It's something to be shared as everyday missionaries. And so our title for this last message is going to be The Mystery of Being an Everyday Missionary. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, open them up, or your uh, smartphone or your tablet to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to read uh, verses 2 through 6 and listen to the message Paul brings. He says to them there, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim, there it is, the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then in verse 5, he goes on and says, and you be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, if we were reading through, and if you've been reading through the book of Colossians, you might have just skimmed over that and missed the message that as Paul has been talking to them about the importance of Christ, at the end, he says, you know what? It's important that you share him with others. See, a believer's lifestyle needs to reflect the understanding that God has graced them not only to be recipients of his grace, but also instruments of his grace as well. And we get the recipients part. We love being recipients, but he also wants us to be instruments of his grace. Now, if we had time to read the remaining dozen verses or so in this letter that Paul wrote, he actually mentions some of his fellow workers by name. Guy by the name of Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, and Nympha, who I believe were probably just some average everyday people who somewhere along a line in their faith journey decided that they were going to join Jesus on his mission as an everyday missionary. And so isn't it kind of amazing that 2,000 years later, we know their names. They're recorded for us in this letter because they realized that they needed to be instruments of God's grace and not just simply recipients of it. And folks, that's because God's design and his intention is that all of his people would be involved in his redemptive work all of the time. 
And that's one of the reasons why over a year ago, our leadership began working on a vision that would cover us through the next chapter of Academy Christian Church's history and what that would look like. And so if you remember in January of this year, uh, we shared a 10-year vision that we called ACC's Vision 1828. And here's kind of how we worded, if you remember, that a fact that over 80% of the people who live in and around Colorado Springs are not connected with a Christian community. And they're missing out on the benefits of a growing relationship with Christ and his people. Now, we sometimes think of Colorado Springs as being a pretty churched area, but it's literally not. Over 80% aren't connected. And so we decided then during the next 10 years, from 2018 to 2028, our vision is to provide the opportunity, just our church family, for at least 100,000 people living in proximity to our church to experience the message of Christ and his love. Basically, every time one of you points someone in God's direction through your words or through your actions, we want you to know that counts towards one of those 100,000 touches that we hope happens over the next decade. And some of you might be wondering, since we launched this in January, talked about it, how are we doing? Well, I would describe it as slowly gaining momentum. I think we're doing actually better than the numbers tell because some people aren't necessarily sharing them. I hope you recognize when you come to church on the front of that welcome card, uh, if you look at it, I thought I had a welcome card. There it is. On the front of that welcome card, it says everyday missionary moments this week. And if you had any opportunity to point people in God's direction, you can just tally that up. And when you place that, we're going to keep track of that. If you want to share the story on the back of the welcome card, we encourage you to do that. I'm going to share some of those stories a little bit later in this message. Uh, And then we keep tabs of that actually in the program. If you open up to the inside left corner, there's a list of the numbers uh, of those those sharing their, their, uh, their moments of every everyday missionaries. Now, some people might be wondering, well, why are we even counting? Why does that be such a big deal? Well, folks, it's because every one of those numbers has a name attached to it. Every one of those names has a story and every one single one of those stories matters to God. And so it's not ever about meeting some quota. Recognize this. It's about impacting people's lives. Now, in his final thoughts to the Colossians, uh, with just eight words, if you'll notice what we just read, Paul actually offers three simple and yet powerful strategies that can help all of us become more effective everyday missionaries. And we're going to look at those real quickly right now. First of all, Paul encourages everyday missionaries to be prayerful. He encourages them to be prayerful. And with the first half of those eight words, remember what he said? He said, hey, devote yourselves to prayer. And why would he start there? Well, because as a wise person once said, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you really can't do more than pray until you've prayed. Now, let me just share with you, this is still kind of a challenge for me, even though I'm the pastor. I I really have to continually remind myself to begin with prayer. I like to sometimes just jump in and get going and get to the action part of it, and I I don't take as much time to pause and to pray. Now, what's interesting is through his own personal requests in this letter, Paul actually shows us a couple of things that we can be praying for to be more effective as everyday missionary. First of all, he asks God, to open doors. He says, pray that God will open a door for our message. And that's one of the things that we can be praying out. God, would you open a door for our message? Now, why is that so important? 
Because if we're gonna ever get inside anybody's heart or get that message inside, it's gonna be because God's at work in their life. In John chapter six, verse 65, Jesus said, um, that is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And so we wanna pray that God is continually opening doors in people's hearts. Uh, secondly, we can request the ability to be able to communicate clearly the things that we need to say. That's what Paul says in verse four, pray that I may proclaim the message clearly as I should. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people who are afraid to say anything about their faith. And oftentimes it's because they say, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I say the right thing, but I say it the wrong way? Well, if, if that happens to be you, I want you to know you're in good company and God can cover you in that. Do you know that was Moses' excuse when God was in the process of recruiting him to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt? In Exodus chapter four, verses 10 and 11, Moses doesn't necessarily wanna go and he uses this excuse. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Uh, you know, let me off the hook. But notice what the Lord said to him. Hey, who gave human beings their mouths? Who can help you say the things you need to say? It's God. And so we need to pray for that, that God would open doors and then a quest ability to communicate clearly. Well, after you've prayed and that's the place where you need to start, then you're ready for the second strategy. And the second strategy, we're going to spend a little bit more time here, is to be watchful. We're supposed to be watchful. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. Now, remember, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. And uh, that should be because, because God will begin to open doors. And so at this point, after you've prayed and you're watchful, your responsibility is just to be on the lookout for opportunities. And our problem is sometimes we miss opportunities because we aren't looking for them. I mean, we're focused on our own agenda or the things that we're doing or we're busy getting our tasks done and we miss out on the things that God opens up. We'll talk about some of those in a minute. But what we need to recognize is that as we're watchful, we're on the lookout for opportunities and when opportunity knocks, what should we do? We ought to open the door and take advantage of walking through the opportunity that God has given us. And so I would just say, whenever you see an opportunity, seize the opportunity, seize it. Now, I know if you're like a lot of people, you're gonna figure out that you've missed some opportunities. Somebody's gonna say something to you and instead of speaking up like you should, you kind of just let it pass. If that ever happens to you, don't beat yourself up. Everybody does that. We all miss out on top opportunities. There's gonna be plenty more. We just need to be ready. I wanted to share with you this morning some of the ways your church family is actually seizing opportunities to point people in Christ's direction. And these are some of the reports that we've gotten uh, on the back of the welcome card. Someone said, hey, I brought faith into a conversation uh, with my kids' friends' parents at school. And so they said, you know what? We can talk to these people. We're around them. Now, they said, we found out that they're already almost all people of faith. And sometimes that'll happen, but they were at least uh, taken advantage of the opportunity. Another person shared this, met a waitress at Panera and felt God encouraging me to pray with her. I waited until she had a break and then asked her if I could pray with her and what she would like me to pray about. She then shared that her husband had just left her with three small children. I prayed and invited her to church and she came. Now I'm praying for more connections with her. Another person shared this. I'm a new person at work. I work with one atheist, two agnostics, and one Christian. Well, the other Christian one day texted a message to the others that included a Bible verse. 
the agnostic came to me and asked me what the verse meant. They didn't seem to be put off by me. I see my mission field. Another person shared this. We've had the same housekeeper for four and a half years. I invited her and her grandchildren uh, to the family Easter celebration. They didn't come because not everybody's going to respond. But she said, I I had a great conversation with her and hopefully we'll be able to foster that as time goes by. Another person shared uh, that they were able to talk with a self-identified atheist who then allowed him to pray for them. That's pretty good to get an atheist, allow you to pray for them. And you know, sometimes kids can be some of the most effective everyday missionaries because they're not as inhibited. And one, buddy, one person shared, uh, JC's eight-year-old friend, whose families are, his family are not believers, asked JC to tell her stories about Jesus. And of course, JC told her a lot of stories about Jesus. All that to say, opportunities are all around us. We just need to be on the lookout. And so let me just share for you that there are three keys to making the most of every opportunity that Paul challenged us to do. Make the most of every opportunity. The first key is to make sure we maintain an up-to-date awe of God. That we maintain an up-to-date awe of God. If you are an authentic Christ follower, there had to be some point in your life when you were captured by the awe of God and his love and his grace for you that brought you to want to put your faith in him. But you know, if we're not careful, that can kind of fade over time. And that's why often the most effective everyday missionaries are those who are brand new believers because they're so excited about what God has done for them. But you know, the danger of familiarity, the longer we're a Christ follower, it can also almost lead us to a place of apathy because we begin to kind of just take God and what he's done for us for granted. That's one of the reasons why it's so important that you're here every week. One of the things that Lisa is trying to get you to a point of in worship is to remind yourself of the awesomeness of God and to worship him. And can uh, can I quit preaching and go to Medlin for just a minute? Even if you say no, I'm probably gonna do it. But, um, you know, oftentimes what I hear people say when they complain about modern worship is they repeat the words over and over and over again. You know why? Because I don't think we're getting it yet. (laughs) Do you know in the book of Revelation, we're given a picture of the throne room of God in Hebrew or in Revelation chapter four. And it says there are creatures up there and it says day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, I mean, day and night, they never stop saying it. You know why? Because they're so in awe of God. Sometimes we're tired of it because we're like, okay, I know God's great. Do we have to keep saying it over and over again? Yes, sometimes we have to keep saying it over and over again. And if your awe of God is up to date, you're gonna be far more likely to wanna share him with others. And that's important because the problem is that people have the innate ability in this world um, to not see God and the awe of him. And God's awe is everywhere. You can't get up in the morning without bumping into God. Fortunately, our bedroom window has a great view of Pike's Peak. And I love first thing in the morning uh, to take a peek at the peak because it is covered with a different shade of beauty every single day. And we get to live in that beauty. 
If you've been around here for a while, you know one of my favorite verses, Romans chapter one, verse 20. And verse 20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. That's why God gives us such incredible sunsets. So we'll pause and say, you know what? God is awesome. And so it says people are without excuse. And then notice it goes on. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but in their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, God has strategically positioned you so that you would function as his instrument of seeing and then pointing to his presence and his power and his glory every day. And so when you notice something beautiful in nature, I'd encourage you, just take a moment to give God the credit, whether it's for a beautiful sunset or sunrise or an amazing creature that you see or his power displayed in the weather. Another everyday missionary story that we got was, was one that, that shared this. They said, we've had a couple different sets of company and when they mentioned the beauty of Colorado, I just said how grateful I am to God for his beauty. Every time it came up, I talked about God's gift to us. She said, by the end of their visit, they were attributing the beauty to God. Folks, you know what? We live in the middle of an awesome, never-ending glory display in this world. And it's our job, and it should be our joy to point people to the creator of this glory again and again. But to do that, we're going to have to make sure that our awe is up to date. Secondly, we need to be ready to share our story. Be ready to share your story. Now, when I say that, some of you are going to say, what story? I don't really have a, a story. I, you know, I just one day made a decision to follow Christ. Folks, everybody has a, share, a story that's worth sharing. Now, it might not be as dramatic as the drug addict who, you know, left a lot behind to, to, to follow Christ. But I think that's okay because most people's conversion experiences are not going to be that dramatic. So let me see if I could state it in kind of a little different way. How about this? Is there anything Jesus has done? that makes your life better? Is there anything that Jesus has done that makes your life better? How about the fact, for example, that he's released you from guilt and shame and has offered you a life that is out of this world? If I were to share what he's done in my life, I've experienced his grace and his peace during some of the most challenging times in life. And I've seen him bring beauty out of chaos. And I know that because he rose from the dead, I don't have to fear death any longer. And see, the apostle Peter had that same idea uh, of being ready to share your story. In 1 Peter 3, 15, he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, have an awe of him, and then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. See, we don't have to beat people over the head with our testimony. Now, it's interesting, that's almost exactly what the apostle Paul said in our text for today. Look at verse six in chapter four. He says to them, hey, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I like how he said, seasoned with salt. How many of you like salt on your food? <laughs> How many of you like too much salt on your food? I know there's some people, I, I mean, I watch, they just, they, they, there's like, they have a little food with their salt, it looks like, when they're pouring it on. And you know, that's the part that we need to remember. The thing about salt is, too little amount of salt, and there's no flavor. And for a lot of Christians, that's how we are. We're not salt in the world very much. Now, the, the other side of that's true too. Too much, and it's not even edible. And sometimes that's how Christians are. They come across too strong. But when it's just right, it provides great flavor. 
Now, when we talk about being ready to share our story, isn't it true? Isn't it true that we all brag about what we believe in? I mean, don't we brag about what we believe in? We kind of promote what we believe in. If you've been around me for very long, uh, you'll soon know that uh, two things from earth that I believe are going to be in heaven, two things from earth I believe are going to be in heaven are Pepsi and Captain Crunch. I mean, because think about it, it's not going to be heaven if there's Pepsi, not Pepsi or Captain Crunch. And so I love to tell people about that. I ought to be more excited to tell them about what Jesus has done in my life than the fact that there's going to be Pepsi and Captain Crunch. You know, that's what's interesting in Acts chapter four, when the apostles were told, hey, you guys got to stop talking about Jesus. And they said, as for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so be ready to share your story. The third thing I would say is earn the right to tell your story. Earn the right to tell your story. How do you feel when people come around and knock on your door? You've never seen them before and they want to tell you about God or about their faith or stuff. You're like, ah, I don't know you. And sometimes we need to get to know other people because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so begin to develop relationships with others so that you can have an opportunity uh, to show Christ to them. And once you get close to people, they'll start to see Jesus in you. In fact, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before others that they could see your good deeds and then glorify your Father in heaven. So real quickly, let me give you three questions to ask about people that God has put around you. We're going to go through this really quickly. Number one, who are these people? Have you taken the time to actually get to know the people that maybe work in the cubicle next to you? or that live next door to you. That's our challenge right now for Diane and I in our neighborhood. We're trying to get to know the names and the stories of the people who live around us. Who are the people in our neighborhood? In our neighborhood, in our neighborhood. I get a song going on in my head when I start to say that line. And I'll just say, you know, summer is the best time to get to know people because you're not hanging out in the house because it's cold, you're out in the yard. Secondly, what is Jesus already up to in their lives? Because he's probably gone ahead of you, especially if you prayed for open doors and he's doing some work. How do you find out? You usually ask questions. You listen well. And then number three, how can I join Jesus? And so look for opportunities that God provides for you to point them in his direction. Now that brings us to the third key strategy that Paul suggests that could easily be overlooked, but it's really pretty important. We need to be prayerful. We need to be watchful. And you know what? We've got to be thankful. We've got to be thankful. That is so important. See, being able to join Jesus on his mission should never be viewed as a drudgery, but something that should generate gratitude in your heart because of what it represents. And first of all, what it represents is that you yourself get to be a part of God's redemptive plan. God, first of all, has saved you. And you, of all people, know how truly amazing that is, just like I do. And then secondly, you can influence someone else's eternity. And wouldn't it be nice to get to heaven and at least find several other people that said, you know what, part of the reason why I'm here is because of your witness and your testimony. In James 5.20, the Bible says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. 
Being an everyday missionary can be an exciting thing, but we're going to have to be prayerful. We're going to have to be watchful and we're going to have to be thankful. And so I just want to wrap up just sharing with you uh, that, that everyday missionaries daily creed that we talked about months ago. But I just want to keep in front of you because I try to say this to myself every morning before I walk out the door. I am an everyday missionary. I'm excited to join Jesus on his mission today. I'm alert and on the lookout for opportunities to connect people with the message of Christ and his love. And you know, if I've prayed up and I'm ready because I, I, I have a, a fresh awe of God in my life and I'm thankful for what he's done, I'm going to walk out the door and God's going to do some amazing, amazing things. Now, let me just say, since we're talking about this now, now might be a good time to dust off. Remember this book we, we handed out back in that series, uh, the Joining Jesus on Mission book and read it again. Uh, one of the folks in the missional group that I'm in has actually started reading it again just recently for the third time. If you don't have a copy of one of these because you're, you're kind of new here at ACC, we have a few copies still available out of the Connection Center. But folks, there are people all around you who don't yet know Christ. And uh, God could use you uh, to make an impact in their lives. Let's pray. Father, it's amazing that you would entrust to us this mystery of the gospel so that other people could experience it, so that other people could hear about it. And Father, I pray that for every Christ follower in this room today that you would give them a sense of courage, a sense of boldness, a sense of gratitude for what you've done that would just allow us uh, to be able to uh, not fear speaking up on your behalf of mentioning you to others, of pointing people in your direction. And God, I pray that as a result of the lives that we live while they're on this earth, that you would help us to help as many people as possible get to heaven. Do that, Father, as we celebrate and appreciate ourselves being redeemed. And thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.